Alright, so in today's video for HSC PDHP option for improving performance, we are going through the next dot point being planning to avoid overtraining. On the left hand side of the syllabus today, we're going to go through three things. The amount and intensity of training, the physiological considerations, e.g. lethargy and injury, and psychological considerations, e.g. loss of motivation. On the right hand side, we're going to analyze overtraining by considering questions such as how much training is too much? How do you identify an overtrained athlete? What do you do if you identify an overtrained athlete? And how can overtraining be avoided? Let's do it. So amount and intensity of training is the first thing we need to look at with overtraining. So what is overtraining? Consistent high intensity, high volume training will lead to overtraining. So we've talked about uh, in previous videos about periodization and why that's important and over a training block or a macro cycle, um, you should be ramping up your training to the point where you then taper your training to facilitate a peak. Well, if you train too hard for too long consistently without rest and without that taper, you can actually lead to this condition which is called overtraining. So overtraining is a chronic condition. So chronic means it's like something long-term. It doesn't just go away in a couple of days, all right? This could take months and months and for some athletes, years to get rid of. So overtraining is a chronic physiological, so the body, and psychological, being the mind, condition, leading to reduced performance, increased injury, increased lethargy, and decreased motivation. It can actually then therefore lead to depression and a lot of times athletes just call it quits and they don't want to ever train and do their sport ever again. Signs and symptoms. So this is one of the things we need to address in your syllabus. How do you identify an athlete that is overtrained? Signs and symptoms of overtraining. Lack of motivation in usually keen athletes, okay? You've got that athlete that turns up to every training session, keen being, looking to improve performance, wants to win the gold, and all of a sudden just one day, doesn't care. Doesn't seem to be anything else going on in their life to trigger this. Could be a sign of overtraining. Staleness, so they're not progressing anymore, all right? So as we're ramping our training up and up and up, the athlete should be progressing along with that and all of a sudden they just stop making progress. And then the next step for this would be skill regression. So if an athlete was able to do something and then all of a sudden they can't do that thing anymore, they've regressed and therefore that's sign of overtraining. Uh, you know, for example, like you take a long jumper, they're consistently able to jump 7.5 meters, 7.5 meters, 7.5 meters for weeks on end. And then all of a sudden you ramp up their training to get them past it. And then all of a sudden they can't even jump 7.5 anymore over training. And then you've got other things such as athlete experiencing reduced appetite, um, being fatigued, lethargic, insomnia or the lack of ability to sleep or they're able to fall asleep and they wake up frequently throughout the night. And then we've got these physiological things such as increased resting heart rate. Um, so most athletes will wear a heart rate monitor during their training sessions and the coach and sports scientist crew will know what their average resting heart rate is. All of a sudden if we're seeing elevations in that resting heart rate for no reason, then that's probably a sign of overtraining. And increased blood lactate levels, all right? So remember lactate builds up in the blood when you're using your anaerobic energy systems. If that lactate is able, not able to basically dissipate in the bloodstream and it just slowly builds up over time, it's another sign that recovery isn't there, probably due to overtraining. So 
So frequency of training should be balanced with adequate rest and recovery, okay? So you should know by now that your physiological adaptations from training occur during rest and recovery time. If you're constantly training and training and training and never giving your body enough time to rest, well, one, that's in like logically, you're just gonna get hurt. Um, you're gonna get burnt out, which are all signs of overtraining. Um, but also you're not gonna make any changes, not any adaptation, you're never gonna get any better. So you need to know and you need to understand that sitting on your butt is sometimes actually the best thing you can do to improve your performance. Volume and intensity, so volume being like the amount of training you're doing, you can think of that as like a time frame um, within a session, and intensity obviously being how hard you're doing it, uh, should be individualized. So every athlete will recover differently for reasons I've got down here, um, and therefore a one-size-fits-all approach to a training program should be avoided, okay? That's why like internet training programs, they're really good for like beginners and just couch potatoes that want to become weekend warriors, but you can't do, you can't give every player on an NRL team the same training program. You can't give every swimmer in the Olympic team the same training program, all right? It has to be individualized because one person's recovery will be different to another. And what I mean by that is that if you make a person do, I've got an example in your notes here of, of like five by five. If you make a person do five sets of five repetitions of squats every second day of the week. One athlete will recover well from that and they'll continually make, make strength gains from it, but a second athlete won't recover well from that and they'll lead, eventually become overtrained, all right? So one athlete who has better recovery, you can actually push them a little bit harder and the next athlete, you probably need to push them a little bit less because they're going to recover at a slower rate. So medical conditions, all right, um, sleep, and when I say sleep, I mean the amount of sleep you're getting every night, but also the quality of sleep you're getting every night. Your nutrition, any drugs you're taking, and when I say drugs, I mean like performance enhancing drugs, PEDs, um, and genetics. So those five things all influence an athlete's recovery ability. This is actually one of the best ways for you to understand um, anabolic steroids is that the, one of the main reasons that they work so well is because they influence your recovery, okay? You can absolutely go to the gym, wreck your body, okay? Do 20 sets of everything one day, and as long as you're taking steroids, you can get up the next day and do it again, and you'll constantly be able to build muscle, right? Um, whereas normal people, you can't do that. You go and do 20 sets of everything one day, you will not be getting out of bed the next day, or maybe even the day after, because you'll be that sore and you'll be that stiff and you'll have that much DOMS that it's just not gonna happen. All right. So periodization should be used to avoid overtraining by embedding low volume and light sessions into a training cycle. Okay, So not only in your week, but also um, over the macro cycle of the month or in the season or the postseason, preseason, whatever, um, along with recovery weeks. Okay, So not only should you have days or sessions within the days that are lighter, but you should also every now and then take a week off. Training should be slowly ramped up over the macro cycle and it should peak near finals time, all right? So that therefore you can taper and then you have this massive physiological adaptation and you are at peak performance for your finals. The point of that is this stuff in the pink, training too hard, too early in your macro cycle risks the development of overtraining because if you go too hard too early, you've got nowhere to grow from. But if you try to grow from there, then you're probably just gonna make it things too hard, things break down, you become overtrained. This is the last screen for amount and intensity of training. So the process is used to identify and manage an overtrained athlete, all right? 
So if appropriate training volume and rest is baked into a, pr a plan, that should be able to manage an athlete and therefore not, get, not allow them to get overtrained. All right? Consultation between the athlete and coach on the training block and goal should occur at the very start of a training block. Um, if the athlete is not keen to increase the intensity to achieve a training goal, it may be a sign of overtraining. So for example, if over a year, the coach sat their athlete down every four to six weeks and said, okay, our next four to six week goal, um, macro cycle is going to be this, and this is our effect, and the athlete's like, yep, 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 and they're always happy to make it harder, make it harder, make it harder for the, um, you know, the goal to achieve something, and then all of a sudden the coach says, okay, next four to six weeks, we're going to go hard to really shave a couple of seconds off your, you know, 1.5k time, and the athlete's like, no, I don't really want to do it. Could be overtraining. The athlete should get regular physical checks from the GP and physio, okay, looking for soreness, um, looking for, you know, maneuverability, their ability to move through a full range of motion or their standard range of motion, um, they don't have any pains or aches, etc. The athlete should also have regular consultation with a sports psychologist to check for signs of demotivation and drive, all right? So if they're constantly checking in with a sports psychologist, and I don't mean constantly like daily or even weekly, you know, maybe just once every training block, making sure the athlete is still keen, still um, got their goal in mind, they're still driven to achieve that goal, etc. But all of a sudden, if the athlete is no longer driven to achieve that goal, could be a sign of overtraining. Reflective questionnaires are a really good one. So reflective questionnaires that athletes complete on how they feel, how hard they thought their training was last session, and whether they're recovered or not, all right? So the athlete will generally do this either at the end of a training session or immediately prior to their next training session. And if the athlete identifies that, you know, they're not recovered or they're still sore, or that they thought that maybe their training was like an eight out of 10 when really the coach had thought there was a light session, all those things could be indicators of overtraining. And that some another physiological one that I mentioned before was an increased resting heart rate and blood lactate levels are also a sign or a process used to identify an overtrained athlete. So then we've got these two little tidbits here, all right? So number one can relate to the information feedback you get um, and then number two is what we do. So if an athlete identifies that they are not fully recovered by the next training session, all right, or if they feel like the training session was harder than what it was, um, or if they're just generally not feeling very good, very keen, etc., that doesn't necessarily mean that they're overtrained there and then, all right? If they just have like one of these symptoms or signs of symptoms going on, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are overtrained, but it means that they could be leading towards overtraining. And therefore, that next training session they're about to complete should have its volume and intensity reduced. So think of it as a recovery session instead of actually trying to improve something. So hopefully, therefore, the athlete may have a couple of um, identified signs of overtraining. You then reduce the training volume and intensity for that session and maybe two sessions. And they should be back on, they should be back to it. They should be keen again, they should be enthusiastic, they should be physically peaking, etc. However, if after you do that, and they're not any better, therefore we're going to suspect that they are overtrained. So if overtraining is suspected, the athlete is going to move to basically your post-season training block, if you remember from that video, which is basically one week of total rest, and then they're going to participate in some active recovery, trying to, in, trying to increase, not increase, trying to maintain some skill, trying to maintain some fitness gains, until their symptoms 
disappear, all right? So they're not gonna be training hard at all. All their training volumes and intensities go down in that training block um, until they feel better, all right? Because the well-being and the health of an athlete is way more important than them achieving uh, their set-out goal if they've already become overtrained. So that was the amount and intensity of training. Physiological considerations. So these are the ones related to the body, okay? So the two ones that the syllabus says we should go through are lethargy and injury. So let's do that. Fatigue and lethargy will occur at any time in any training program, okay? Whether you're overtrained or not, it doesn't matter. You, as your volume and intensity increases, you are going to wake up some days just feeling tired, okay? Because your body is busy recovering, okay? On the inside, it's busy healing itself and fixing itself. That's normal, all right? However, if your recovery is optimized, and when I say recovery optimized, the things that we are focusing on that we can change that are in our control, sleep and nutrition, so drugs obviously, but we're not gonna talk about that because that's illegal, and genetics you can't control. So sleep and nutrition are our two big ones, all right? And if the periodization already includes low volume light recovery sessions, all right? So despite our recovery being optimized and we've already got low volume light recovery sessions, if we're still feeling lethargic, if an athlete's still feeling lethargic, then it's probably a really good indicator that they are leading towards overtraining. So the volume should therefore be reduced for all next sessions until they recover, all right? And then obviously, if after two or three or four sessions, they're still not recovered, then you probably need to move to that one week total rest and active recovery, all right? So fatigue and lethargy is a major indicator um, physiologically of overtraining for that reason. The other thing is that a lethargic body, all right, will cause a breakdown in skill execution, which can therefore lead to injury, all right? So if you're doing squats and you're feeling lethargic and you don't have your movement pattern right, then you can blow out your knees quite easily, all right? Injury uh, will occur, injury also occurs, sorry, from constant breakdown of tissues in the body from training, because that's what training does. Training, if you're training at a high intensity, you will break down tissue, your body then repairs, gets stronger. That's how training works, all right? So injury can occur from that without adequate recovery, all right? If you're constantly breaking things down and not giving them time to recover and repair, then obviously you're going to end up breaking it, all right? So imagine it like uh, if you took, took a piece of rope, all right? I don't know, how do I draw a rope? took a piece of rope, and rope being like the muscles in your body, okay? When you train, you create those little micro-tears in the rope, which we've talked about before. Little micro-tears in our rope. And then we recover. So to recover it, you're gonna get another piece of rope and you're gonna add on to it. So you're gonna add on like solidified bases to these bits to make it stronger and thicker and harder. So that's what should be happening with um, appropriate training and then recovery, all right? So now we've got a piece of rope which is much denser, therefore stronger. However, you take that same piece of rope, all right, same piece of rope, you train hard, you make micro tears, and then before you are able to rest and recover and make it stronger, you train hard again. You make more micro tears and then you train hard again recovery is not there, all of a sudden, instead of getting a nice, thick, dense piece of rope, we've got a rope that's just frayed. It's all falling apart. 
and therefore you get injured, all right? And here's a fun fact about injury, which you've probably never thought about it before, but when I say this, you'd be like, oh, wow, because your body's really smart. Your body's smarter than you are, smarter than me. Maybe not smarter than me, but smarter than you are. Injury is a way of your body forcing you to reduce training volume and intensity, all right? So despite all the signals that you've got, despite all the coaches and the sports scientists and the sports psychologists and everyone telling you you should stop, stop training, and you're like, yeah, I can hear you, but I'm still going to train hard, and then you get an injury and you can't walk and you can't stand, well, guess what? Now you're forced to rest. Good job, buddy. But there is a negative because injury does lead to one of our principles of training, reversibility, all right? Therefore, undoing all of the athlete's hard work. So even though they want to keep training hard and hard to make more progress, if you train too hard to the point where you become overtrained and then you get injured, you've just lost nine months, nine whole months of like hard training, ramping it up over time because of reversibility. And that would be sucky. So the most common, two most common injuries that we're going to experience from overtraining and not adequate recovery, tendonitis, stress fractures. So one's soft tissue, one's hard tissue. Um, but they are both very common when the body is not given enough time to recover. So there are physiological considerations. And we've got one to go. Psychological considerations is our last dash we need to cover for planning to avoid overtraining. So lack of motivation, and I did say this earlier in the video, lack of motivation in usually keen athletes is a sign of overtraining, all right? Drive and desire to achieve goals and train hard indicate um, that a low volume intensity session or block is needed, all right? So if the athlete starts to lose this, then we need to change up our training immediately to avoid overtraining occurring. Other psychological signs and considerations, you know, poor skill execution, lack of concentration during the training session, irritability, and then like leading to depression, um, all indicate overtraining. And if these things or multiple amounts of these things are experienced, and then you move the athlete to a low volume light session for you know a week or two, and they're still experiencing these things, then they're most definitely probably going to be overtrained, and we need to move to the one week total rest situation. Because as overtraining is a chronic condition, these mental considerations may take considerable time to disappear. So while the physical body may will heal or can heal quite rapidly, um, so aches, pains, etc., feeling fatigued and tired, they may go away within a matter of a week or a couple of weeks. But this stuff can last for a very, very long time. And I did mention this at the start of the video, to the point where there have been certain athletes that have just pushed themselves so hard for so long then they just throw it in and they never, ever, ever want to do that thing again, ever, in their life. Ever, ever. And just as a little side note, which is not related to training, but it is sort of similar to overtraining, the gap year. This is why a lot of uh, ex-year 12 students, new university students, take that gap year. You guys have just pushed yourself, well, you should have pushed yourself pretty hard for 13 years, but you know. Assuming you've pushed yourself pretty hard for 13 years, you get to the end of your HSC. If you've given it your all, you never want to look at a textbook again. You never want to look at study notes again. You never want to learn anything new ever again, pretty much. So you take a gap year, take a year off, refresh, 
And then you get towards the end of that gap year and you're like, I'm, wow, I'm actually really keen to then go and study something now. And then you go and do your university course or whatever. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you should have a gap year. I didn't have a gap year, but also I didn't really push myself very hard in the HSC, so I didn't feel like I needed one. Um, yeah. Anyway, that was a little bit of a side tangent. But that was our psychological considerations and that overall is the end of our video on planning to avoid overtraining. Thanks, bye.